This is The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. Is he Folau, because he's lost his wage, he's set up a GoFundMe campaign which has just hit $471,000 to fund his legal fees. The guy's got multi-million dollar property portfolio and people are funding his legal campaign. It's true. He has about $7 million worth of assets. Can't believe people put that much money in. I mean, if they put that in for a cure for cancer, that would be terrific. There's a lot more deserving causes out there than uh, Israel Folau's legal fees, that's but for sure. But if he loses all that money, people are putting in is going to go to uh, the lawyers. Oh, of course it is. On the GoFundMe page as well, there's a disclaimer that mm. Israel Fellow can use the money for whatever he feels is right. Mm. And don't expect anything from Israel for your donation. It's like a pretty interesting disclaimer. On ECM Plus. On the bucket list this morning, we've got Shane from Williamstown. And Shane, you've got a few comments about Jaden Stevenson and what's going on this week. Yes, I do. Lifelong Collingwood supporter. Uh, very disappointed that he could be so foolish in making the decision that he did. I mean, when the young kids come into, into the AFL lifestyle, one of the first things they're taught and educated on is gambling and what they can and can't do. The fact that we've had having such a great season and I've actually predicted us to win a flag this year. And he's been a prominent player in our, in our year so far. And I just think silly, silly decision just has the potential to just unsettle us, derail our march forward. A lot of people are saying he's young, give him a chance, give him time, we all make mistakes. I can wear that, but it's a silly, silly mistake that effectively could cost us top four spot because he's playing so well at the moment. Shane, do you think it's down simply to the proliferation of um, betting advertising, just get inundated with it and just get carried away? I would think that a lot of it's probably peer group. Um, I believe the action took place when he was, was with a mate and the mate was having a bet and he sort of rode on the coattails. So I think it's so easy with all the mobile devices to be able to, to place a bet. If you weren't thinking about having a bet, there is enough uh, advertising and space out there that sort of says, hey, you may want to have a bet. There's multis, there's yeah. this, there's that. Our show is called The Bucket List, Shane. Is there anything around the world of sport, anywhere on the planet that you're uh, desperate to get to, you know, at some stage in your life? I'm a sports nut. Would absolutely love to see Leeds United uh, make it into the uh, Premier League and go over and watch them play in the UK. Thanks for uh, giving us a bell this morning and uh, hopefully we'll see Collingwood get to that grand final for you later in the season. You're listening to The Bucket List. And this morning on The Bucket List, we are very, very excited because we've got Margaret Court joining us. Good morning, Margaret. Margaret, we're still (laughs) over the moon that Ash Barty could, uh, unfortunately, take your title from you, but what a great win at Roland Garros last week. It was, and I think he deserved it. He played well, and I really didn't know I still held that <laughs> until it was in the papers, but I thought Sam Stozer or somebody, that. but then Sam had got into the final. She hadn't actually yes, won it, but it was a great win. It's good to see, because Ash is a bit of a throwback to uh, 70s tennis with the slow slice backhand and the really calculated play, the way she plays. It's a little bit reminiscent of yourself. Well, I always feel that if that type of game came back in again. I think we'd have more champions and I think where you look at a lot of players, it's sort of robot or a sort of formula that she's got a variety. If something's not working, she's got something to fall back on because she can hit through the ball, she can slice the ball. Uh, she's played a lot of doubles. 
She's a very good volley, a good serve. She's got a very good all-round game, but she can also change her game, which a lot of girls can't do. I think it's such an asset to her to do that because it is sort of the uh, 70s game, but you can use that game on any surface. Margaret, technology has really moved ahead these days in terms of how the rackets are made. Do you think this has had much of an effect on the game? The rackets are beautiful today. I mean, we pioneered all the metal rackets back in the late 60s, early 70s. I won my the Grand Slam when I won all four in the one year with an aluminium racket. It nearly had a head like a, a squash racket. It wasn't mm. much bigger than that. The touch, that's what you can get it. And the feel is when I picked up after years after being in the game and you picked up a wooden racket, you think, how did we ever play with them? Do you know there's such a difference? Margaret, do you still get out and hit yourself now? Grandchildren, that's about it. I really don't get the time to do a lot of it. Margaret, if there was a female player today you could get out and play with, who would be the one that would really scare you? Probably Serena Williams because of the power. She's got that power there. I think if we were at the same time, we would match one another in many ways because she can volley, but she doesn't use it as she should. Where Ash Barty does, she's not scared of that area. But I think it's probably the power. But I think a lot of the girls now are learning how to play her. Margaret, who was your toughest opponent? I was only 17 when I won my first Grand Slam and I was not seeded. The one who I matched mainly throughout my whole career and we had battles was Billie Jean King. We played very similar games, so everybody wanted a court King final. And then at the end of our careers was Martina and Chrissy came in and my last Grand Slam when I beat uh, Chrissy in the final of the French, that was in 1973. Tell me, what do you think of the women in particular who grunt every time they hit the ball these days, like, you know, Maria Sharapova? You know, Ashley Barty doesn't, and I don't think there's any a need for it. I don't think it helps them in any way. Margaret, I didn't realise as well, not only did Ash Barty take your little record there from, uh, from the French, but Rafael Nadal, with his 12th French Open title, he's overtaken your 11 Australian Open titles as well. I just It's been a bad week for you, hasn't it? <laughs> no, not really. I think <laughs> records are there to be broken. Of and uh, It's interesting that we start matching the men and the women. I think he's probably getting very close up there to Federer's a lot in all that is one. Yeah, just two uh, behind, I think, now. Yeah, I know. And I think he's probably after that. There's a lot of, particularly in those top men, they've been such a wonderful sportsman for the game and you know you still look at them and still the com- the competitive side and the slams that I've won. They've made so much money, but the money doesn't mean anything. You know they're always wanting to win the slams. Margaret, we had such a wonderful era, era of tennis. Apart from Ash Barty, what's gone wrong? Why do we struggle to produce such great tennis players now? I think a lot of our top athletes now go into the team sports where once we would go into individual sports because I could have been a runner I could have been a tennis player you know I was good at sort of all ball sports and when I took two years out in 65 and 70 I'd had enough of traveling the world Mm -hmm. because we would go for 10 months of the year I played squash not knowing I'd ever go back into tennis a bit like Ash Barty did took a couple of years out for cricket I did that after winning Wimbledon a couple of times. and But I played squash thinking I'd never go back into tennis. But I got to number two here in the state in squash, you know. Wow. Do you think you would have been a decent cricketer? 
I was a good footballer. I was a good cricketer because oh. I had eight boys in the street and I used to beat them all. Oh, <laughs> brilliant. <laughs> Sensational. Well, I, I think anybody with a ball contact or coordination, they're pretty good, I think, in most racquetball sports, yeah. yeah. Uh, the behaviour of the males these days in tennis is atrocious, in particular two, in, two Australians who embarrass us. If, if you could give them some advice and sit them down, what would you say to them? I think probably Ash Barty said it, you know, I think she, uh, you know, it comes from your family. It comes from your coaches at a very early years. I remember throwing my racket into the back fence when I was about 10 and thinking he didn't see me and he saw me. He said, if you ever do that again, I will never coach you. Mm. It was what you were groomed in your early years didn't see that uh, back with the Lavers or the Emersons. We played then. We didn't play for money. There was no money. We played for our nation. I mean, when I won my first Wimbledon, I didn't win it for myself. I won it for my nation Yeah. because that was my first goal. And I think with these young men, they've been allowed to get away with so much. I think perhaps if they said you can't play a game for a year, it might do them good. Do you see Nick Kyrgios going all the way? Because he, he does have the talent. Oh, he's got tremendous talent. But, you know, even when I was playing, you saw people with talent, but they never made it, mainly because it was perhaps a character thing there or they didn't put the training in. Uh, and if you look at Kyrgios, he's always injured. So uh, there's always something wrong. I think it's a shame because he is he's wonderfully talented. Do you think it's because he's not training enough or warming up enough that he could be having all these injuries? Well, if I look back over the years, the people that didn't put the training in, particularly in the early years, they did suffer with quite a lot of injuries. So it probably has something to do with it. You played in the kind of the less publicised Bobby Riggs game, and that was uh, just a couple of months before, obviously, um, Billie Jean King beat Bobby Riggs. It, it, any kind of uh, regrets or thoughts about that initial match? Well, probably if you look back over your career, it is one of the things that you regret doing. I think if I'd had played team tennis, which team tennis was only just coming in and I hadn't played it, I would have probably understood it a lot more because I'd just won Wimbledon and come out of Wimbledon, which is so sedate sort of thing and so quiet. And I was thrown into San Diego, not realising there was bands and people yelling and screaming at you. And I, I got such a shock. I mean, I was just sort of thrown out of it all. You just didn't know what you were going to expect. And probably if I'd had a year in the team tennis, and that's how that is, you know, there's a, the bands and the noise and people calling double fault, fall over. I probably would have been a little bit more ready for it. I wasn't ready for it. And probably if you look back, you probably think, oh, I should never have done that because I think I won three of the four Grand Slams that year. My Grand Slams were overshadowed by that. Oh. Yeah. Margaret, I'm glad you could spend a little short time with us this morning and being the pillar of the community you are, we uh, we do look, at, look up to you. Obviously, the tennis world still looks upon you as one of the greatest ever players because your record is absolutely second to none. Well, I still, it was a part of my life that I loved and I still watch it even sometimes I go in on Foxtel and watch the girls and I still know who's playing and who's at the top and it was a part of my life I enjoyed very much been wonderful talking with you both thank you it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to australian icon and tennis legend margaret cord on the bucket list
This is The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. Mr Jed Smith, the manager of Museum and Heritage Services at the National Sports Museum at the MCG. What's on offer during the July school holiday program? Um, in July, we've got three big attractions. One is my match day program. We've got a couple of extra ones this year. We've got the fantastic cartoonist Paul Harvey coming in, and he'll be doing caricatures of people and also teaching kids how to do caricatures themselves, as well as doing some caricatures with AFL and AFLW players during the week, the first week of the holidays, Monday the 1st to Friday the 5th of July, he'll be in. Um, we've also got our great friends from the Koori Heritage Trust coming in, talking about Aboriginal heritage and artefacts, Mangrook and those sort of things, because it's NADOC week. The big one is the My Match Day experience, we're doing that. So it's 10 sessions over the first week of the school holidays, two sessions a day, Monday to Friday. We've got some fantastic players from Collingwood and from Geelong, from the men's teams, some great talent from the women's teams as well. We've got Chloe Malloy, got Monique Conti, got some new players, Fletcher Roberts, Tom Langdon from Collingwood. Brian Myers as well is coming in from Geelong. They take a group through the change rooms here at the MCG and they really put it on the line. They tell you what it's like to play out of the change rooms, the nerves, the match day routines they go through, some little tidbits about their colleagues, their former players they played alongside, stuff that you wouldn't find anywhere else. Straight from the horse's mouth in the change rooms where those things took place. Sounds like it's just not for the kiddies, that one. I reckon uh, you might get a few, <laughs> uh, few dads and Collingwood diehards want to be part of that experience. It's a family experience. You do get plenty of adults coming along and they get just as much out of it. It's about really just getting into the heads of these people who've gone through these amazing things, won and lost grand finals and had to come back to those rooms and what did that feel like and a chance to really interrogate them on that, which is mm. just a great experience. It's fantastic. The countdown is on, Jed. The NSM gets closed for redevelopment fairly soon. We actually close the door at 7.30pm on Friday, August the 16th. There's a game here at the G that evening and that'll be our last day before we close the NSM and we are closed for six months. During that time, of course, you can still do a whole host of things here at the ground. The MCG tour runs right through that period. The MCC Museum is open as well and we've got plenty of school activities for school groups and school holiday activities. But the NSM is closing. Jed, you must have some really exciting content coming up. Can you share with us what some of that might be? We're starting to get some really interesting objects coming in ready for display. And I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions because Beefy, I know, is the doyen. You, you know your stuff, Beefy, right? I'd try my best. It's universally acknowledged that, you know, Beefy knows his stuff. So here we go. If I was to say to you that we, last week, procured a donation from an untouchable Australian champion named Glenda Sutton, which sport would I be talking about, Beefy? Oh, Glenda Sutton. Lawn bowls. Ooh, no, oh, no, no. Glenda is the acknowledged world champion at camel racing. Oh. And she has accumulated prize money in excess of a quarter of a million dollars in her career. From 679 starts, she's had 257 winners. Jeez, not bad. Now, that is just extraordinary. She's heading for it. She's actually targeted a, a world record 300 race wins over the next couple of years. So she's donating a saddle to us. We wanted to get it actually in, on site in the next couple of weeks, but she's still using it. So we've got to wait till ah. she finishes the race race season before we can get our hands on that but i have a second question for you brace yourself again beefy yeah, yeah we all know that australian national teams have really fantastic nicknames as kookaburras as the kangaroos as diamonds yep. but if i'm talking about the nascon dingoes which yeah. australian <laughs> national sporting team is that the nascon dingoes uh oh jeez i thought you were gonna go drop bears on me and i was gonna surprise <laughs> you with uh, the australian quidditch team even more obscure. I'm uh, going to guess they're from Darwin. This is pretty obscure. Is it? I can tell you that it's the Australian 
hide-and-seek team. <laughs> yes. We wanted to interview them, but we couldn't find them. <laughs> Brilliant. They have given us a team uniform. They've donated one for the new museum. And just in case you're in any way interested in this, Nascondino is the Italian name for hide-and-seek. So Nascondingos oh. is oh. their name. Beautiful. And that's in Italy where the championships are held. How amazing. Yeah, some good stuff. That's Jed Smith. He's the manager of the National Sport Museum on the bucket list. This is The Bucket List with Beefy and Diana Simons. It's a great pleasure to be joined by the resident SEN tennis expert, Mr Brett Phillips. Morning, Brett. Absolute pleasure to be on on The Bucket List, guys. Love the name of the show. We're still celebrating an Australia Ash Barty's absolutely monumental victory. We haven't had one since Sam Stoza. Yeah, amazing to be there live for the two weeks. I'm really pinching myself, to be honest, that my first time to Roland Garros, we actually witnessed an Aussie victory. And we got to the end of the first week and we actually all looked at each other, the small little Aussie media contingent, and we thought, Ash can win this. An experience sort of the pandemonium back here, but Paris it was sort of really low key, which suited Ash Barty because she's a very matter of fact, very grounded person, got a great team around her. She always refers, uses the word we, so she loves that whole team environment. She follows Richmond and she's following the Cricket World Cup right throughout the year. So she is a great ambassador, a fantastic role model, but now a lot more eyes are going to be on her, and I think Martina Navratilova summed up beautifully during the week when she said, Ash, you're going to have to start learning to say no, because everyone's going to want a piece of you. Don't know, I've seen her kick a Sharon footy as well. When I was in Miami, she practices, she carries a Sharon footy around on tour, and I'll tell you what, she was hitting them lace out, drop pumps, spinning beautifully, so I think she's just talented at anything she puts her hand to. And we do expect her to go deep at Wimbledon. I don't think this is going to be a flash in the pan. The grass is a surface that suits a very powerful serve, which really skids through nicely. The slice backhand, which is world-class, probably the best in the game, which is a huge weapon on the grass. She's the best informed player in the world at the moment. We are grass court season, and Nick and Bernie are still out there uh, plugging their wares on the, uh, well, essentially the satellite tour at the minute. Nick's come out recently just absolutely loves Wimbledon. He's just snubbed Andy Murray as, a, as well, though, because Andy Murray wanted to play doubles with him. And Nick said, no, sorry, you're not mm. good enough. I don't want to carry you, was the exact words. <laughs> the fact that he's coming back is quite extraordinary, considering the farewell tour we gave him at the Australian Open. Roger Federer laughed at that at the French. He said, we had to do this video for Andy Murray. And he said to the guy, is he actually retiring? No one actually knew. And uh, here he is, he's back playing. So retirement, as we know, is a very loose word in the world of sport. Nick Curios, I don't know what's going to happen next. Beefy, to be honest, every time he plays, can he actually stay engaged and play seven <laughs> matches at Grand Slam level in two weeks? No is the answer. Yeah, it is the unless answer, Unless we yeah. can prove it otherwise. And Bernie, I'm not sure if anyone signed at Bernie. He's sort of gone missing weekend at Bernie's. I think he might have just gone into a deep chamber <laughs> somewhere. I'm not sure. But he'll, he'll pop up. We're moving into Wimbledon. Who are your tips? Let's go out in a limb, Beefy, with the men's side. Let's go out in a limb here. Federer. Djokovic, Nadal. Did anyone win it outside of them? I mean, it's been a phenomenal, hasn't it? On the men's side, you're thinking, who's going to step up now and challenge these big three? Now, Rafa backing up to win after the French is always difficult. Roger's now about to turn 38, and Novak's not necessarily on fire at the moment. So is this the Wimbledon that maybe 
Stefanos Tsitsipas Ooh. maybe steps through. He's a beautiful serve volleyer. Of the next-gen players, he is the one that I think will step up and win a Grand Slam. Not suggesting it'll be this Wimbledon, but I'm going to put those four in the conversation. Rafa could win back-to-back here. As far as the women go, I feel very confident in saying Ash Barty beautiful. can certainly be there come the final weekend. So I don't think Serena is going to win another Grand Slam. Whoa. I cannot see it happening. Yeesh, big call. Well, Brett, thanks so much for those tennis tips. That's Brett Phillips on the bucket list. Well, I'm going to the ice hockey tonight. I'm a massive fan of ice hockey. I do love it. I love watching blokes smash the living suitcase out of each other whilst also trying to score goals. Have you actually played ice hockey before? No. One of the regrets of my life, not being able to put a pair of skates on and smash people. What about polo? I've only ever sat on a horse once as well. I was petrified. But you've done jousting, haven't you? (laughs) I've sat on a horse once. There's no way I'm going to try and kill someone with a 12-foot lance. (laughs) Perhaps in a shopping trolley with a broomstick. There's nothing like being at a live event. Whether it's the Australian Open Tennis, the Rugby World Cup 2019 in Japan or the Bathurst 1000. With over 20 years experience, Sportsnet will ensure the adventure of a lifetime. With over 50 world-class events, Sportsnet guarantees official tickets and accommodation, even to sold-out events. You'll even get access to behind-the-scenes experiences. Over 10,000 travellers each year choose Sportsnet. Call 1-300-888-858 or visit sportsnetholidays.com. Does your sporting club or community group need help with fundraising? My Club Shop is your essential fundraising partner. This free service is simple to use and can provide a 12-month-a-year revenue stream. With support from great companies like Samsung and TCL and new features being added daily, this revolutionary platform is a complete game-changer. Did we mention it's all free? All you have to do is log on to myclubshop.com.au to register your interest and one of our friendly team will get in touch straight away. That's myclubshop.com.au. And this morning we're speaking to Daniel Giacconi from Sportsnet Holidays. The NRL have launched the Global Nines, Rugby League World Cup Nines in Sydney on Friday, October 18 and Saturday, October 19. Daniel, what have you got for us? The inaugural Rugby League World Cup Nines in our backyard. The first Nines have been to be staged in this part of the world since the 2017 NRL Auckland Nines. Great to see Nines back on our calendar. Some of the world's best league players in one location over two full days. It's going to be fast. It's going to be exciting. 12 teams in the men's competition, 4 in the women's. All the big rugby league nations will be there. Australia, New Zealand, England, France, Fiji. 28 matches in total from what I understand across the men's and women's matches combined. From an entertainment value perspective, the nines in Auckland for the four years it was on there, the women's were just as entertaining, if not more entertaining than the men. So really looking forward to that. Plus, Bankwest Stadium in Western Sydney, brand new, capacity of 30,000. We're confident it's going to sell out. It'll be a full house, and which should mean the absolutely awesome atmosphere. Now, the Nines is different because of Auckland. That was club-based. Uh, obviously, the NRL clubs and a few select clubs from the UK, I think, came over. But this is national teams. This is your Australia's, your New Zealand's, the England's, Wales, Scotland's. I think it's kind of the first time the Nines ever been done as an international event. This is going to make it even more exciting. There's going to be a few scores to sell. It's a similar similar game, but not club v club. It's, it's nation v nation. You know the major differences between the nines and, and regular league or the nines World Cup. There's nine players per side, obviously, versus thirteen plus six on the interchange. Each match will, will last about fifteen minutes, so seven and a half minute halves versus forty minute halves. No halftime break. Quick one minute swap. In terms of the the major rule changes, conversions after a try are taken as a drop kick instead of a place kick. After points have been scored, the game is, is going to be restarted with a. Tap restart from the centre of the halfway line. 
instead of a field kick from, from one end to, to the opposition. And when a team is awarded a penalty, the play resumes with a tap 10 metres in advance of where the infringement took place. The entertainment around a nines event like the sevens in rugby, it's going to be equally as exciting. It's a fun couple of days. What travel packages do you offer, Daniel? Two night packages, check in on the Friday, check out on the Sunday, obviously the, the events on the Friday and the Saturday. We've got accommodation in Sydney CBD and Parramatta, which is awesome because with the event out at Bankwest Arena, right in Parramatta, we'll have accommodation right near the stadium. Two-day ticket is included, but there's upgrades available. We include a Category 2, but you can upgrade to the better tickets. We'll throw in some uh, official merchandise as well. Plus, the NRL with, with things like the Grand Final and, and Origin, they always throw in free public transport to and from the stadium where matches are played. They haven't confirmed it. We're hoping that will be included for this event as well. Excellent. It's going to be a highlight of the Rugby League calendar. I know Sportsnet Holidays are one of the go-to guys for all your Rugby League packages, and this is going to be absolutely no different. If you want to get on a Sportsnet Holiday tour to the Global Nines, what do they have to do? If you want to get hold of Sportsnet Holidays, call them on 1300 888858. That's 1300 888858. Check their website, sportsnetholidays.com, sportsnetholidays.com.